Hey friend, when was the last time you listened to a podcast that told you everything you needed to know to break into or do your work in the field of continuing medical education and continuing education for health professionals? If it's been a hot minute, or like never, you've arrived at the right podcast. In fact, you've arrived at Right Medicine, a weekly podcast that explores best practices in creating content that connects with and educates health professionals. Are you feeling stuck in your work? Are you looking for inspiration from your peers? Are you looking for a way to break into this incredibly rewarding and intellectually satisfying field? Well, Right Medicine is here to offer you guidance and strategies as you navigate all phases of CME and CE creation. Every Wednesday, join me, Alex Housen, a medical writer specializing in CME and CE content creation, as I host thoughtful, provocative, and rich conversations with guests about adult learning, content creation techniques, effective formats in CME and CE, and trends in healthcare that influence the type of content we create. Right Medicine is here to motivate you to learn and grow as a CME and CE professional, wherever you are in the content creation process. If your work involves planning, designing, creating, delivering or evaluating education for health professionals. This podcast is for you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Right Medicine podcast. I'm your host, Alex House, and I hope your summer has been absolutely amazing, even if the weather has been, let's just say, a tad temperamental, whether it's been too hot, too wet, too stormy, or just too much. I hope you've managed to find your own oasis of calm, or at least find moments of respite to recharge and replenish. But now it's time to revitalise, dear listener, because fall is upon us here in the Northern Hemisphere, and so is a brand new season of Right Medicine. First, I want to give a shout out to Jen at DW, who highly recommends the podcast on Apple Podcasts, and says, I'm so excited to discover this podcast. I'm especially impressed by the depth of the discussions here and look forward to listening to all of the topics covered about medical writing and the issues we face as writers in the healthcare niche. Thank you, Jen at DW. I appreciate you being a Right Medicine listener. And if you are a regular or sometime listener, I encourage you to share with me any topics or guests you'd like to hear on the podcast, which is focused on exploring best practices in creating content for continuing medical education and continuing education for health professionals. This is one of the ways that we can make sure that the topics we focus on are topics that you face in your work and need perspective on. Solutions, and ideas from your peers about how to proceed. And talking of solutions, many of you who are involved in developing needs assessments, whether program or grant managers, scientific or medical directors, or writers, have shared how challenging it can be to get a solid grasp of the grant planning process and some of the -the behind-the-scenes activities that contribute to writing or designing or developing well-designed targeted needs assessments. So I'm always happy to teach next level needs assessments. And the fourth iteration of this cohort-based course is now open for enrollment. Onboarding kicks off on September the 1st, followed by four weeks of module-based material combined with practical activities 
to support your needs assessment process. You'll learn how to write lean, agile needs assessments with the help of deliberate practice, peer-to-peer discussion, and expert feedback. We meet live online weekly for hands-on activities to consolidate learning, which is supported by a needs assessment toolkit that includes example needs assessments and RFPs, needs assessment writing resources, sources of evidence, and templates to turbocharge your process. If you want to learn more about the course, check out the link in the show notes, message me on LinkedIn, or email me at alex at alexhausen.com. And before we get into today's topic on the power of experience in learning, I wanted to share with you a message from Mallory Kane. Mallory is a fourth-year medical student at the University of Connecticut who is creating an anthology of essays based on testimonies from people whose lives have been impacted by cancer. Whether you're a patient or survivor, a family member or caretaker, she wants to hear from you. She's using this anthology to highlight the experience of living with this disease. And Mallory's looking for one to three page essays of about 1500 words max, which answer the following prompt. What lesson have you learned from your experience with cancer that you want others to know about? You can send your submissions to Mallory via email to makane, that's M-A-K-A-N-E-E, that's M-A-K-A-N-E at U-C-H-C dot E-D-U, or via a link that is in the show notes. And I'll make sure to put Mallory's email address in the show notes too. So let's get into today's episode. First, I want to talk about building libraries. My first job out of school, and by school I mean high school, was building a community library. This job was part of British government policy in the early 1990s to get school leavers into paid work. And in that job, I learned to construct metal shelving units and order, catalogue and repair books. And as a result of that job, for a long time, I could pretty much tell you where to find any book you wanted in the Dewey Decimal System. In broad strokes, of course. I memorised the system at first in terms of where each category was placed in the physical space of the library itself. You could say I created a cognitive map of the catalogue that very much aligned with the physical space. And this cognitive map helped me learn the Dewey Decimal System inside out so that I could find your favourite book in seconds. And this skill was also really handy when I worked in Waterson's bookstore in Edinburgh as a grad student in the 1990s. Alas, I am now very de-skilled in Dewey. But also, for a long time, I thought the Dewey in question here was John Dewey, an American philosopher of the pragmatism school. It wasn't. Melville was the Dewey behind the library classification system. And side note here, pragmatism is a school of philosophy that's based on the principle that the merits of ideas should be tested by their usefulness, their workability and their practicality. Pragmatism emphasises action over doctrine and experience over fixed principles. I think I call myself a pragmatist. But back to John Dewey, 
who was behind the idea of learning by doing. As early as 1938, he argued in his book Experience and Education that learning requires experience, or doing. He believed that as adults, we learn more effectively when we draw on our lived experience to evaluate what we're learning. And he called this the principle of continuity of experience. Here's what he wrote about that. The principle of the continuity of experience means that every experience both takes something up from those which have gone before and modifies in some way that quality of those which come after. The idea is simple but powerful. We connect what we've learned to experiences in the past and use it to navigate our future. We're Janus-headed or Janus-headed, simultaneously capable of looking to the past and toward the future. Dewey believed in a second principle, interaction. And here's what he said about that. An experience is always what it is because of a transaction taking place between an individual and what, at the time, constitutes their environment. Of course, he didn't actually say their environment. He said his, but I'm not going to say his. The point is, to truly learn, we must actively engage and test our ideas, applying them in our personal and professional settings. In short, Dewey didn't see education as an end in itself. He saw education as a process in which we're constantly developing skills through experience, through doing. And incidentally, David and Alice Kolb, who developed experiential learning frameworks that we'll be talking about in episode 67 with Gwyn Wansborough, also see education this way. But back to Dewey again. You might not be surprised to learn that his work was influenced by experiential learning and psychoanalysis, as well as constructivism and situational approaches to education. And why is any of this important? Because in the context of continuing education for health professionals, which is the pulse of this podcast, Dewey's principles are at the very core of how we design effective, engaging education for adult learners. This episode of Right Medicine is brought to you by Right CME Pro, a membership-driven community that provides skills, scaffolding and support for medical writers who want to create CME content with confidence. Right CME Pro gives you access to expert perspectives to help you build your CME writing skills, a portfolio accelerator to hold space so that you can create stunning samples to show your prospects, group coaching to help you build foundational and expert knowledge in CME, and more. Write CME Pro is a community for people like you who are ready to grow their CME writing niche, or niche, if that's how you say it. See the show notes for more details. So what are the practical implications? As CME and CE professionals, how can we make Dewey work for us and apply his insights to the content we create? Now, Dewey preceded Malcolm Knowles, who many of you will be familiar with, in centering experience as part of adult learning. 
But Knowles's work distilled five key characteristics of optimal learning that you're probably readily familiar with. Knowles suggested that any education directed to adults needs to be learner-centric, problem-oriented, relevant to practice, based on educational need, and aligned with anticipated outcomes. These characteristics, combined with an emphasis on experience, mean that we have several resources we can draw on as CME and CE professionals to create content. First, we can consult the needs assessment. A strong needs assessment gives you the skeleton for solid content to address clinical practice or performance gaps and create outcomes-oriented education. As Rueda Vakil talked about in episode 28 of this podcast. Second, it's really important to identify your audiences. Who are the learners? What are their needs? What experience or background do they bring to the educational activity? The roles and responsibilities of healthcare team members are often really nuanced and sometimes not very well understood. So it really pays to do some digging to make sure that you understand what these roles and responsibilities are, as Diana Durham talked about in episode 45 of the Right Medicine podcast. Third, review the anticipated outcomes. As Angelique Winter shared in episode 47, we really need to identify the problem that the content needs to address. What do learners need to know or be able to do when they've participated in the education? Sometimes we don't do that effectively enough. And finally, apply smarter goals to the content. That means keeping the content specific, measurable, action-oriented, relevant to the learner, the learning objectives and the anticipated outcomes, as well as time-specific, evaluable and realistic. Which takes us right back to Malcolm Knowles and John Dewey, the philosopher, not the library guy, who brought something revolutionary to the field of adult learning. Like I said, he didn't see education as an end in itself, he saw education as a process in which we're constantly developing skills through experience. And that's how we approach learning in next level needs assessments. And as a reminder, doors close and onboarding starts on September the 1st. Now, if you've been a long-time listener of the podcast, you know how much I love learning. And the podcast is an opportunity to do that on a consistent basis for me because I get to have conversations with people who are experts in the field and share that information with you, hopefully in a way that's digestible and accessible. And if you are a listener, you probably identify as a lifelong learner yourself, as well as an information synthesizer, and someone who's interested in growth and development and educating yourself about CME and CE in every way possible. Well, Season six is all about learning. Of course, we learn in different ways through text and listening and watching and doing. But of course, sometimes in adult learning or professional development, there's a tendency to focus on one method of learning over another or one learning environment 
over another. And in the last three years or so, there's been an explosion of online or virtual spaces as the environment in which we do much of our learning, or that at least are the containers for the materials to support our learning. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is possible to experience online learning in ways that stunt or prevent growth rather than nurture and nourish growth. Zoom, you know I'm looking at you. So over the next few weeks, I'm going to be talking to several experts who have built considerable expertise in developing learning experiences and professional development in online contexts. Next week, in episode 67, I'll kick off with a conversation with Gwyn Wansborough, who's a facilitator specialising in virtual learning experiences. Gwyn facilitates an online learning course called Breakthrough Facilitation, which I actually participated in myself in April of 2023. I do quite a lot of teaching myself at the University of Chicago. I teach fundamentals in medical writing and ethics on the Medical Writing Professional Certificate Program, and I also teach my own courses online. So I wanted to expand my teaching toolbox and I learned about Gwyn and the work she does through Circle, which is the online platform I use to host my professional development membership, Write CME Pro. So I'll be talking with Gwyn, other facilitators and other adult learning experts like Barbie Honeycutt and nurse educator Martha Johnson about key considerations in facilitating learning and professional development such as how to build psychological safety, how to get everyone's voices in the room, and how to build activities into education that engage and enrich learners. And sticking with the topic of learning and the different ways that we can think about this, we'll also be exploring the rapid learning that many of us are engaged in around artificial intelligence or AI. Of course, there's an expansive public discourse on social media, the news and other media platforms about the risks and benefits of AI, as well as considerable discussion in the world of CME and CE on LinkedIn, for instance, as well as in sessions at CME Palooza. There were some earlier this year, and I think there will probably be sessions in October of 2023. And I've written about some of these risks and benefits myself on Medium, in the American Medical Writers Association Journal, and in the Alliance Almanac. But in order to join that conversation, of course, I'm also participating in exploring and playing with various AI platforms and apps like otter.ai, clod.ai, swellai.com, and of course, ChatGPT4. And as Andy Krim shared in episode 63 of the podcast, there's a whole world of AI tools and apps that have potential to not only revolutionize content creation in CME and CE, but also fast track workflow and productivity. Some of these tools, like Graphy.ai, are specifically focused on searching, retrieving and synthesizing peer-reviewed articles in databases like PubMed. Graphy.ai was designed specifically for people working in healthcare by Sean Soda. And Sean will be on the podcast later in the fall to talk about how platforms like Graphy.ai work 
and how they can benefit your workflow and content creation in the healthcare context. And as a new feature, we're including a bonus episode on the first Friday of every month to focus exclusively on medical writers and medical writing. In season six, I talk with Helen Folsom and Michelle Rizzo about strategies to enhance writing in CNE and CE, as well as with writers like Sarah Nelson and Vicky Sherwood, who've made it their business to mentor and coach people who are interested in breaking into medical writing. They're going to be sharing key pillars of medical writing that it's important for new-to-the-field writers to think about. And of course, many former academics or people with PhDs who are still within the academic system are looking for alternative career pathways, and they're very much drawn to medical writing, and specifically CME and CE, because of its focus on learning and information synthesis. So with that in mind, in our first Friday series, we'll be exploring some of the challenges and opportunities for academics and folks with PhDs. First with David Mendez, who hosts a podcast called, fittingly, Papa PhD. And if you're a new to the field CME or CE professional, whether you're a writer, a program manager, or a scientific director, sign up for the Write Medicine newsletter for tips, tools, and tactics to help you learn and grow in this field. Thanks for joining me on this first episode of season six. And as we wrap up today's episode, I challenge you to look at your work your writing, your content creation, your life through the lens of continuous experiential learning. If you love what you hear, please subscribe and share this podcast and make sure you stay tuned for what promises to be an enriching, enlightening and thoroughly engaging season. Until next time, keep learning, keep growing and keep creating CME and CE content that matters. If you'd like to connect with me or today's guest or access any of the resources we talked about, check out the show notes for this episode. They're on my website where you'll also find additional resources. Find the show notes at alexhausen.com forward slash write w-r-i-t-e dash medicine dash podcast. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe to the Write Medicine newsletter where you'll find bi-weekly tips, tools and resources to help you create continuing medical education content with confidence. And thank you for listening today. Word of mouth is the most meaningful way we can help listeners find us and reach a wider audience. So please share this episode with a friend, a colleague or a client who might find the podcast helpful. And if you enjoy listening to the podcast, please write a favourable review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or share your testimonial on the dedicated testimonial link, which is also in the show notes.